This is Chris Sullivan, and you are listening to the Angry Millennial Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at clickgearclothingltd. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show, where we chat with creatives and entrepreneurs about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, the ugly. Today, we have author and writer Chris Illuminati. Chris. How's it going, guys? Thanks for coming out. Thank you. So let's start off. Let's be real here. Okay. Um, Second time. Second time. (laughs) This is the second uh, go round. Those will be the unreleased tapes, you know, when you guys do a best of 500 (laughs) episodes. Yeah, right? Yeah. We'll do just the yeah the archives. You know what was actually recorded at least. Yeah, I mean he. <laughs> let's see, you were episode what three? Three. It was early on. Yeah, and we did it over Skype, and we were still figuring out Skype, and it just yeah didn't go well. It's normally. I mean, does anything really go well right in the beginning? No, no, never, <laughs> never. I mean, it's you know so so we're glad that you were patient enough that you would come back out, and right now we're you know we're out recording in Philly. Uh, so not a far drive for you. How far was it? Uh, well, it's about, it's one of those things where it should be 40 minutes Mm -hmm. and it ends up being much longer because of traffic and 95 and just scared. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the road. I mean, like you're looking out for potholes and, and also where I live in Jersey, a lot of people do come into the city. Mm -hmm. So all of the news, I mean, we get the Philadelphia news and stuff, but it's just so concentrated on traffic. And what happens? So, right. like every yeah. day, I wake up and I see seven accidents and people dying, <laughs> and like uh, and you see all these backups, and you're like, I'm never driving there again. Especially now, I don't know if you got caught in it, but near Love Park, they're, they're renovating, they're redoing Love Park, they're mm-hmm. redoing the whole thing. I was riding my bike over because I didn't want to get caught in that, and it was crazy. Just riding my bike, I was caught in traffic. I couldn't move. So I don't, I don't know if you got caught in that or not, but 95. I mean, some things are just always unavoidable. I mean it never fails. There's always traffic on the side of the road that I'm on. It's like the other side is free and clear and I'm stuck in traffic. But if you think about it, I mean, when's a good time to work on roads or anything really? I mean, never. you're in it in the middle of the day and you're like, Oh, why don't they do this at night? And then you're driving at three in the morning. You're like, Oh, why is this going on at three in the morning? It's never, it's never a good time to work on a road that millions of people drive on every day. And, but the stuff's got to get fixed. And then, I mean, people get in accidents. It's it's unavoidable because it just it feels like every person in the world has a car. It's just I don't know. They they I saw something recently that was fucking jarring. It was like a, a animated gif of I think it was Seattle. It was uh, let's just say four hundred people in cars on a major street right mm-hmm. in Seattle, 
And then it goes those same 400 people, whatever, in a, uh, what was it? Like on a bus. And you see like how, how it would take up the whole road. Mm-hmm. Okay, those same 400 people on a monorail because they're talking about putting a monorail. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like shocking. You know, how, because that's a big problem in Seattle. I'm pretty sure it was Seattle. They're, it's one of the most biggest booming cities with, mm-hmm. you know, all the people from, from Silicon Valley and shit. And they do nothing to help the con, like the, all the congestion. Dude, it's right. fucking insane. You know, you know what really baffles me? Huh. Like there can be 10 cars on the road anywhere around here and there's going to be an accident. But then you <laughs> see videos on like YouTube and like Asia and China. There's people on mopeds with cars, buses, like bikes. It's like right. tic-tac-toe and no one gets hit. Yeah. Besides, I don't... besides once in a while you see those funny videos. Like, but <laughs> yeah, that's how, does hilarious. That how, does, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's amazing. I, like every town and city has their own way of doing things and they're just the way it works for that city and town. But everyone who drives thinks they have a better idea as if they know, like I know how the roads work or something. I can just go, Oh, why do they do this? Why do they do that? Like I have any idea what what goes on, but everyone, when they're driving, they think that they know better. And then I also like, I do this all the time too. And everybody does this. There's traffic. So you're going to take the shortcut that you think no one knows about. It's like, Oh, if I take these back roads, no one will know. It's like, everyone knows those. Yeah. You're worse off. Just stay where and you then are. You hit, the, yeah. you hit the detour signs that take you right back where you came yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or do you remember like, uh, what was it? Um, office office space, right? The scene where every time the lane opens up, uh, he yeah, gets over yeah. and stops. And yeah. then the other one opens up. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Bolton. Is that who is in it? Yeah. <laughs> There's just, I mean, there's no getting around and we have to get in our cars or whatever. I mean, you just, you have to go places and mm-hmm. there's no way you just got to budget more time yeah. to get there with everything. <laughs> oh yeah. It's fucked. Um, so let's hop into it, Chris. I mean, we've, uh, you want to talk about traffic the whole time. I thought, it was, <laughs> I thought we were here talking about, I thought we were just a DOT uh, podcast where you just get into it. Yeah. Road closures. <laughs> yeah. Started, every, every 15 minutes we'll give traffic updates. <laughs> um, so we've known each other for a, a few years now mm-hmm. and, um, we used to work together at a uh, at TSM, but catch me up on what you've been up to nowadays. Uh, let's see. Uh, I have a whole bunch of things going and nothing is getting big. <laughs> I think that's everyone. Yeah. Really? I mean, like oh, yeah. everyone, I, but it's good. Yeah. You know, I have my hand in a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I do the writing, um, I've written a couple books, uh, blog. I, I still hate that word. I can't believe we haven't come up with a better word. Yet. Oh, blog. <laughs> blog. It's blah. It starts with a blog. You can do a journal. <laughs> yeah. Writing my journal. Online journal. <laughs> yeah. Online journaling. Online journaling. Well, I guess you can call yourself reporters now. I mean, they let bloggers into, you know, mm-hmm. major events. Yeah, yeah but now yeah. it's like considered press like anything else. I think it's uh, the words are all because you're trying to talk to people older than you and explain what you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so if I said a reporter, they'd be like, oh, you mean for the newspaper? No, there's no such thing as a newspaper <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but that's what I get for talking to people at McDonald's. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do the writing thing. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like all over the place at mm-hmm. once. And it just kind of keeps you busy. I, I, it wasn't until recently that I, I kind of realized this. It sounds like a very douchey, uh, wealth type, uh, Twitter account type thing, but it, they talk about how every millionaire has about seven flows of income, mm-hmm. right? Or sources of income that mm-hmm. come in. And I'm like, that makes sense. That's kind of how I act, right? I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm a little scatterbrained because I don't know what's going to take off. Right. And I'll put like a bunch of effort into one thing for a little while. And then keep spreading it around because I don't want to get fucking bored. Is that where your first million came from? Yeah, it oh, is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no. So, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, all right, that's the motto, motto I'll take, you know, mm. and probably not the right one. But at the same time, it's just that mindset, you know, because 
as creative people, you, you can't really put yourself in a box. Mm-hmm. You've never done it before. It fucking go crazy. Well, you know what normally makes you change to the next thing is when you see someone else have success with it and you're like, God damn it, why didn't I think of that? Why not me? Like yesterday, <laughs> here's a perfect example. Uh, I was reading an article about some Tumblr user that makes like 25,000 a week or something, something what? absurd. Tumblr? Yeah, because she's got a <laughs> she's got 100,000 followers on Tumblr and she right. just gets paid for these and I didn't like, even know Tumblr was still relevant. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, wait. Ever since AOL buy, or not, uh, Yahoo buys Yahoo, them, yeah. it's always I'm, fucking. I'm like, I have 77,000. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't I making that much money? And then you go to concentrate on Tumblr for the next two weeks. And then, you know, two weeks from now, I'll read an article about some guy on Instagram who's making like 500. <laughs> I'm like, oh, why don't I concentrate on Instagram? And you just can't. Like, I, you need, we need to develop something where it's just one button and it just goes to everything. <laughs> and it's just like, why? Like, last week when they, or about two weeks ago when they added the, um, where you can have multiple Instagram accounts now. Yeah. yeah. That was like yeah. a game changer. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, why did it take so fucking long? I don't know. And why Twitter's had it for like five <laughs> years. Yeah. Oh, and why can't you post from your computer to Instagram? Oh, yeah. It's retarded. Not every picture I have is on my phone. Yeah. You know, I, we do use cameras. <laughs> that does sometimes happen. <laughs> I think that's going to come eventually. Yeah. I yeah. mean, everyone, every, I've heard that constantly. Yeah. Like, but then you got to figure, too, I, I think the only reason why it hasn't yet is because it got bought by Facebook. Well, yeah. So Facebook's like, well, if they do that, then that'll be the new Facebook. It's like, no, we want to keep it where it's just like a, a mobile only type community, right. you know? And that'll probably be at this point. Will there will there really be a new Facebook or another? I mean, I gotta think. <laughs> I don't know. They're so far ahead. What was what was the other one that came out recently? Ello. Ello. Yeah. Ello. I joined it. Did you? No. Did you got, I, I wasn't cool enough to get a fucking invite, didn't and, then it, and then it already died. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was. I was on it for like a week, and then I was like, what? What is this? Mm-hmm. Like. It was, it was nothing. It wasn't engaging. I don't, I don't know. It just, it just fizzled out. It was like that firework that had so much you wanted to see it go. And it was like. <laughs> you know what has to happen? And this happened to both MySpace and Facebook and even Snapchat. Like in the beginning, something bad or perverted has to happen on oh, it yeah. for everyone to pay attention. <laughs> tons, like, of, tons of dick pics on Snapchat. Yeah, or like right. in when MySpace, people getting killed, meeting people off right. of MySpace and stuff. And then everyone's like, well, it's MySpace. And then they got on it. Same thing with Facebook. It was like, wait, wait who, who's on there? Wait, yeah. who, who's killing people? We should get on there, you know? <laughs> so you need something to, bad to have. You need to start something to rival Facebook. Yeah. Make someone use it who's going to do something bad. Yeah. <laughs> get it national attention. And then it's all from there. Yeah. And then kind of roll into it from there. Yeah. So one of your biggest works in my mind okay. was assholeology. Okay. Right? The science behind getting your way and getting away with it. Mm-hmm. And let's be real. <laughs> I enjoyed it tremendously because mm-hmm. it described parts of Everyone, really. I mean, mm-hmm. when, you, when you really think about it, even when you're, if you're honest with yourself, yeah, everyone's one kind of asshole that you talk about in that <laughs> right. book. Right. No, true. And, you know, has has your writing always skewed to like the humorous side and stuff like that growing up? Well, it's always been humorous because I don't think I've ever taken anything really seriously. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that attracted me to working on that project and everyone, whenever I used to do interviews for it or if they read it, they're like, but you don't come off as an asshole. How did you write that? <laughs> and it's like, well, just I've met thousands of assholes. It doesn't mean, you know, just right. because I, you know, you can, you can write a book just from the experiences. You don't have to be that thing. You do live in Jersey. I do. I do live in Jersey. <laughs> there was a lot to pull from a lot of examples that I used that were straight I realize from you, Jersey. Are you from like born and raised in Jersey? I, I was born in Ewing. I grew up in Ewing and then, um, I went to high school and college mm. in the same town, which is Lawrence, and I now live on the same road that is my high school and college. No shit. So at any point, 
of the day, I could go visit <laughs> my past life. <laughs> and it's not something that I, would I guess I did choose it, but it's not something that I wanted. Like I started moving farther south in Jersey and mm -hmm. then I got married and, um, uh, we, we, you know, we we're about to have kids and we we're like, we should probably be closer to our parents. And yeah. my parents never left. And then there I was. And I was like, I, I'll never forget. I moved into the house. And like the next day I looked around, I was like, I never thought I'd be back around. <laughs> yeah. here. Like I'm on a street that I used to cut through, you know, as a high schooler on, your bike. on my, on, on my car. Yeah. Like I would speed through it. Now there's speed bumps. <laughs> and I, I'm the dude yelling at kids speeding through now. Yeah. Like I've oh, morphed yeah. into that guy. Everything comes full circle. Yeah. So, so I grew up in Jersey and uh, yeah, that's where I got a lot of the inspiration one from the book for the book. But you know, it's my stuff always skewed towards humor, but very much in the beginning, and it was one of the ways that I got most of my uh, writing jobs in the beginning. Uh, I wasn't afraid to take like the dick approach to things. Mm -hmm. like, right. One of my first big articles, uh, it was for Ask Men. It was um, the argument against yoga for dudes. <laughs> and I had nothing against yoga. I didn't right. even try yoga. But, right. like, yeah, this is like 2006 before everything was like clickbaity and you right. know, like trying to stir people up. They're just like, do arguments against yoga. And I was like, okay. And I wrote five <laughs> things that seemed odd to me about yoga. And like so many people got mad <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't really hate people who do yoga. Like, it's just, this is a gig. And they're like, Oh, so you took money for it. Yeah. That's how jobs work. <laughs> like, I don't, why are you getting mad? Like, you know, not everybody who builds cars likes cars, but right. they're good at it. So they get, you know, money for it. So yeah. In the beginning, I, I kind of like had the, the dick approach to stuff and just stuck. Yeah. And then, and, when, and then I started writing like, you know, condescending opinion about stuff and that got you a lot of work because no one wants <laughs> to hear the thing that everybody agrees with. Right. No one wants to be the bad guy. Yeah. And then eventually I got older and got a conscience and then I kind of <laughs> <laughs> realized there's nothing wrong with yoga. Because I was going to say, I mean, uh, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Um, other other books that you've written. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Like I was, uh, what the guy, what's that guy's name? Uh, BJ Novak. Mm -hmm. So... I've known him from the office and I knew he did a lot of other stuff behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, Oh, he's a New York times bestselling author. And I said, Oh wow. So I go to check out the book and the book was, uh, this book has no pictures. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I, I'm like, huh, what is that? That's weird. And then I realized it was a kid's book, <laughs> but like, it, it, it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. And, and so you read it and when you read it with the kids, I don't want to do it horrible justice, but it's like, you know, it's just, you say funny words mm -hmm. and the kids lose their shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is a fucking book. Like I'm thinking it was some like <laughs> deep piece about whatever, Hollywood, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, he probably had has kids and then figured, Hey, why not? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. And just make it, I mean, I hate to say you're, you're attracted to the lowest common denominator, <laughs> but I mean, they're just kids, but. But you touched on a good point. Like with anybody you can pretty much do anything you want now and wear six or seven different hats and right. they're all very different and right. still make it. And you can appeal to your audience. Like, you know, you bought his book just because you knew him from other stuff. So right. you're like, Oh, I would probably enjoy it. It's not that you didn't enjoy it, but it wasn't quite for you, but that wouldn't keep you from going to do something, you know, going to see a movie he was in or going, right. to, yeah. you can do yeah. so many different things now. Yeah. If you, if you get to like a platform, and where you have some success in any one thing you do, mm -hmm. yeah, then you can let the, that kind of raise up all the other stuff, you know, you're doing or you're involved in. And, and that's great, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like 
love hate relationship with social media, but at the same time, I think it's really cool that we live in an era where if you have a little gusto and an internet connection mm-hmm. and a fucking iPod, yeah, you can basically launch a company, yeah, or a brand, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, to uh, talk about another podcast that I like to listen to, we're on a podcast, but I want to talk about. Yeah. I listen to um, uh, Ask Gary V, yeah, which is yeah. video slash yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was watching one, and um, I remember. I was at the gym and I'm watching it and I forget what he was talking about. He's rambling, <laughs> rambling on about something and he pulled out his phone and he goes, do you realize you can run an entire business right from here? You don't even have to leave your house and you can do everything from your phone. And it doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. You could be 65 and do everything you want on for a business on this phone. And you know that in your head, but until you stop and think about it and go, well, yeah, I can. <laughs> like, and it just, it's, it, that's what I think a lot of it is. It's like getting to that next step, like with, with right. anything like you want to do, you like, there's so many voices in your head that are like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're only known for this. You're only known for, right. you know, or you only yeah. do that. Yeah. But then you go, nah, I, I could, I might not work, but I could. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. And no, he's, he's great. He's someone yeah. that we're going to, we've been and we'll continue to try to get on the, the show. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, he's that book. Actually, I'm going to be reviewing it. So I'm getting an early copy. The new one? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Ask Gary V, like the hashtag Ask Gary V um, book. Because I read all his other ones, like, um, you know, Crush It, mm-hmm. uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook. Mm-hmm. And again, there, and I've seen, like, there's this recent keynote that he did that, quite honestly, I watched a lot of them, but this was, like, one of the better ones. And it was recent. And he, he talks about, it was a whole room full of people who were, let's just say, entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. And they, we're talking big, huge, multi-million dollar companies and, and starting out, startups. And he he talked, he goes, realize it's fucking 2016 mm. and realize that so many of you, people in here and people out of here, market like it's the year 2000. You know, you spent all that money on you know, Super Bowl commercials. That's great. But unless it's a Super Bowl, what does everyone do when commercials come on? Either fucking fast forward mm. with DVRs and TiVo and all other shit that kind of ushered that in. Mm. Or you just go on your phone, mm. you know? Yeah. And... And then you figure, okay, all that direct mail, people still do that. Mm. I don't, I fucking rip it up the second I see it in my mail. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. And and like he said, all these people look at him. He's, he's still young. He only just turned 40. But they look at him and go, oh, well, you're all in Snapchat? Oh, that's cool. Isn't that what teenage kids do? Right. You know? And he's like, well, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying about Facebook before. Like yeah. everybody was on it and something bad happened and then everybody was on it. Yeah. You know, so it's just one of those things where you got to adapt, you know, a, adapt or die pretty mm-hmm. much with oh, anything, sure. but anybody can, it's a level playing field. You don't have to worry about, you know, other companies or you just got to do what you're doing and then just keep doing it. And it's one of the great things about, you know, what we're doing. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, you, you even mentioned in the past, like when we, when we talked to you, the microphone you had, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh yeah, I have one somewhere. I meant to do a fucking <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. I bought one to do a podcast. I think I used it once or twice. It's just, but you know what? It's one of those things where, it's there. Mm-hmm. And one day I, so I'll do something with it. Yeah. But it's that first step with anything. Mm-hmm. Just that first step of, mm-hmm. you know, if you think, you know, you're a photographer. If you think you take good pictures, just go take good pictures. You might not become a photographer tomorrow. Right. But they're there. And you're like, oh, yeah. You know, like I've recently gotten into like hand lettering, like like nice. photography, mm-hmm. just like yeah. drawing. Just a way to like, for one, get me off a computer. And two, <laughs> just kind of like doodle and let my mind go. Yeah. And I'm not really that great at it. But it's something yeah. different and I might get good at it, you know, if I practice for five years, but it's just something else, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Like you said, it's just some creative outlet that yeah. can be 
And I and I feel like we're headed that way where everything's so tech related mm-hmm. that it's nice to unplug in a way and mm-hmm. do something that's kind of like, you know, pretty fucking right. Well, the last time we talked, the version one of this one, of this podcast, <laughs> version 1.0, uh, you made fun of me because I told you that I actually still write in notebooks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. And you're like, yeah. and I do. Yeah. And you're like, well, how do you start off like an article? And you're like, with a book. Yeah, I do. I write and, in a notebook. And, paper. and then yeah. after I write the whole thing, I'm like, oh, crap. Now I got to type this. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> There's something about that, though. Like, it, it really does separate yourself from everything else. It puts you in a different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I was at, I don't know, like last week or whatever. I was at Barnes & Noble reading all the magazines, not buying them, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's how they stay in business. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I ended up buying a book, but there were all, the, you know, all the moleskin notebooks mm-hmm. over there. And I was just, I was like, I really want to get one. Mm-hmm. Just to have that, you, you know, stuff in your back pocket, mm-hmm. flip it out, write a few notes. There, there's something like... I don't know if romantic. No, I'm trust is, me. No, it's funny. Word, I have a bunch of them. Yeah, and I have yeah. like I have the old little new reporter kind where you mm. flip it up and you can write stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. And but I haven't like I like I said I'm in love with the idea of it. Yeah, you can get it in your pocket yet. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but and then I'm thinking, well, I feel like should I take notes in here? Should I scribble? Should I do it? What the fuck? Yeah. Who cares? It's paper. See but. now you're putting pressure on yourself there. You're like you're, not, you're just supposed to like yeah. You're just and then you whip out your notebook and you try to write with a fucking stylus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and but th- th- what you're doing is you're putting pressure on yourself. Like you think, you know, God forbid, someone picks up that notebook right. and looks through it. Like oh, you don't want them to see what you, you know. And you're like, that's so fucking stupid. <laughs> like what? Just well, Jose, do it. Jose has a heart lock on his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. so just like do it. That that's part of the problem is we, we as a society we just get so scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we're scared that like someone somewhere is going to be watching us and see us and call us out on our shit or right. record it. And, you know, be online. Right. So we don't do TMZ. have stuff. Yeah. We want to do because, you know, we're afraid of public ridicule for some reason. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. So <laughs> being, being both an author and a freelance writer, mm-hmm. and you've also had those, as we know, those full-time corporate gigs in the past. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, like, what would you say is the best career path, you know, you've taken? Well, I guess the best career path slash advice I could give is that, it's never too late to change and it's mm-hmm. never too late to kind of give it a shot. Like I was, um, when I first started blogging, it was like 2007. It's back in the blogger days. Blogger. Yeah. Back in like the, yeah, the <laughs> blog spot days. Mm-hmm. Live, first, live journal. Yeah, live, journal. <laughs> live journal was almost on, it was on a kind of on its way out when I first started. <laughs> but that's when, when I first started that. And um, you know, I was already seven or eight years into working. You know, I graduated college in 2000 mm-hmm. and I was already, you know, eight years into it and miserable. And just one day I was like, I was reading a website and I was like, I could do this. And I <laughs> emailed them and I asked if they were looking for any writers and they were like, yeah. And then the next day I just started writing for them free. Nice. And then like two months later I was um, paid to do it. Awesome. So, but I had gone through like six, seven different jobs before that. Would you do anything with like any, I mean, anything writing wise? No, I'm just saying in general, what were you, what were you doing? Was there any kind of, any kind of overarching? There was no, like when I look back, like I had no plan. I don't know what I thought I was going to do for 40 years of my life. I thought maybe I would find a job and just Just write journals. Right. Yeah. Like what kind of middle manager that just under the radar. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know how I thought that I would be happy doing that. Or I thought maybe at that point, like, oh, that's just what everybody does. Felt like safe. Yeah, like, no one's really happy. Right, yeah. Everyone's getting, going through life just, like, kind of, like, you know, screw it until I die. <laughs> but let's see. So um, I got out of college, 
and uh, I worked at a radio station. I was in national sales. I was a sales That's assistant. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the see. This is again me screwing up completely. But uh, <laughs> so I got the internship at, during college. It was my final semester. And uh, when I interned there, I interned on the radio side mm-hmm. and I interned on the sales side. Right. And I would spend half of my day working with the radio people and half of my day working with the national sales staff. So yeah. I was there for about three or four months. And um, they offered me a job on the national sales side as a sales assistant. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I kind of I kind of liked the radio side. Right. And the guy said, the national sales manager said to me, yeah, but there's no money in that side. And I was like, oh, well, I like money. <laughs> so I took the job. And right. then like, so here's this path I was on. If you can figure, if you can visualize at home, it's a straight path. And then all of a sudden, what I want to do is on the left and I'm slowly veering right. And then with every job after that, I slowly veered farther right <laughs> until I realized uh, I'm really far away from left <laughs> right. where I wanted to be in the one day with the blogging thing. So I was a, I was a national sales assistant. Then I, I, I was a copywriter for like two weeks. I got fired from another job. <laughs> I got fired after I got back from vacation. Oh, that's <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, I took the job. I told them I'm like, I, already, I have a vacation plan. They're like, that's fine. <clears throat> I was there for like two or three weeks, went on vacation, came back that Monday, got called into the office, got let go that Monday. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. like, you do remember I told you about this, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't because of that. I guess right. maybe like I, they wanted, well, the silver lining to, I don't know if there's a silver lining to getting fired, but um, <laughs> let go is a better word. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even on the company website yet. It was a small company. It's like mm-hmm. six or seven people. I wasn't mm-hmm. on the company website um, so I went back and hate looked at the website, kind of like you do with an ex, like a week later. Yeah. And they had hired another copywriter with 12 years experience. Oh, so, right. you know, he probably came along a week or so after me. I had no copywriting experience. This guy right. had 12 years copywriting <laughs> right. experience. It was probably, he was fine with my salary. And they hired him and then like, let me go, right. which yeah, I kind of get it. So after that, I was like, I was sell- selling drug and alcohol prevention curriculum for little kids. Wow. So uh, dare days. Interesting. Huh? Yeah, it was, it was a different, yeah, it was a program like dare. Right. And then, uh, after that it was, um, a, uh, disposable thermometers. <laughs> I worked as a sales system for disposable thermometers. You know, the thermometers, there's no mercury in them. You just put them in there and the right. dots. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Wow. That, and I, I'm telling you, man, I had some, I had some really out there jobs. And then one day I was like, I'm kind of good at writing, but I always kind of thought I was good at writing, mm-hmm. but just never pursued it. But I all. never, right. I don't know. You just have this thing and it's much different now. That's, that's why I love, like I have two kids and I'm glad that they're growing up in the era that they're growing up in mm-hmm. because it's not just with me telling them, but you could go and listen to any podcast. You can read any magazine and read any book and go, Oh, I, I don't have to do this one thing. Like I can kind of right. check out many different things or try many different things or like, you know, I, I, when I was a kid, I loved comedy and I would mm-hmm. watch Saturday Night Live and I'd be like, oh, that's just luck how you get on there. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you do these certain things and then you could possibly get on there. Like right. I thought it was either like you were funny and you just one day appeared on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the good thing now is like you go to the internet and look up anything. Right. Like you basically go look up how, how do you get on Saturday Night Live and find a bunch of articles that like, you know, do improv, do this, do that. Yeah. So, you know, younger people today can kind of go and look and be like, oh, wait, how do I do that? And then find it. Right. Whereas I had to like work 10 years of jobs to go, oh, wait, no, I could just go do this thing (laughs) 
you know, and, and, and ten years turns into two weeks if you actually. Yeah. Like, oh, this other way was. was, was <laughs> yeah, wow, I could have cut out ten years. <laughs> there's so much accessibility now. It's like yeah. there's so many avenues, and it's easy to kind of see in a in a much clearer way if mm-hmm. you want to really take the risk. Right now, with especially when you have kids. Yeah. And it's just weird to think about like all the jobs you did mm-hmm. having to work. For weeks, months, years, and you're like, "What am I doing?" Yeah, and I learned nothing like, there. <laughs> like, right. what did I learn? What did I really? Right. I mean, I learned that I didn't want to do it. Yeah, and, and that's get, good too. Yeah, I didn't get good at sales. I didn't right. like. Get, I was gonna ask you. You seem like a personable guy, but weren't in the way, I guess, huh? I, I'm personable, but not when I have to sell you something. Right. Like I could sit here and talk to you guys for three, four hours, but if, if the end result is me selling something for me to make money, I'm going to starve. <laughs> Because I'm not gonna be able to sell it. Because I'm so, go, sounds like the words this. of a true creative. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, you really don't need this. I mean, you could if you wanted to. Whatever I'm selling you, like, I really want to work for you. Is your work good? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. You're just kind of like, well, then, yeah. So, so the the sales part, yeah, I was personable. That's what it was. I was nice, yeah. right? You know, so that's cool. And that's I mean, how I ended up and, here. And you, and you mentioned the the accessibility part, right? Mm. And your kids are rather young. Five and two. Right, five mm-hmm. and two. Um, and and I sit here and think about what could be with like college, mm-hmm. right? With traditional education. I don't honestly think in another 10 years it's going to be the same kind of model. Yeah, I don't think you need college now. Yeah, unless that's you what want I mean. doctor, lawyer, right. those kind of things. Right. But if you're kind of like floating around, you don't know what you want to do. Like when I was growing up, there was kind of a stigma to going to a community college. Right. Yeah. College. Like yeah. you were either didn't do well in school or you couldn't afford. Yeah. But now, you know what? Take those two years, take some courses and figure out, oh, yeah, I want to do this. Here's where I want to spend my $40,000 right. to go to a real school, not mm-hmm. like spend my $40,000 on a four-year degree that I'm never going to use again because one day, like I didn't feel like waking up for eight o'clock classes. <laughs> right. And, and now I have this degree that I don't need or want yeah. or whatever. So- you know, there's there's more avenues to go down, but as far as like a traditional college, like I don't really think it matters anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, and it's weird because like it's a gig economy, right? Yeah, and you sit here and think. I mean, I, I personally can tell people all the time. I have two fucking degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have had a shit time finding traditional work yeah. in the ten years I've been <laughs> since graduating. So it's like, what what really can you guarantee? I mean, look at my my girlfriend. Uh, is doing really well in her career as a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Never went to school for it. Mm-hmm. You know, the one year grad at uh, community college and that was it. Yeah. Right? You know, so it's like you sit there and tell people, well, you need this. And it's like, it's not necessarily true, but but people growing up got sold like a bad bill of goods, you know, mm-hmm. and saying, well, this is what you got to do. Yeah. And like you mentioned, I can't believe that at 18, or let's just say 19, usually it's like your sophomore year, right? Mm-hmm. You ask someone, now you have to pick a major. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that to me never made fucking sense. Like to me, that would be like junior year, you know, maybe or at all. Even like now, you have to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. at eighteen, wait, are you are you sober right now? Because you got to make this decision. Yeah. we got to know classes are being picked tomorrow. You got to figure this out. Like, like it's just eighteen or nineteen. You're like, I'm having trouble deciding what beer I want. Like yeah. you're yeah. telling me how to. You know what the choice always Milwaukee's best because the beast is fuck the beast the beast that's disgusting. You're telling a kid like you know six months ago they were living with their parents and then now all of a sudden they're like oh you have to decide what you want to do forever (laughs) and you know what even in that like okay even if the college route is what you want to do or you there's so much more information about schools right and what to do where you want to go like now if if you want to go into graphic design you're like oh this school is good, has a good graphic design department. I'm going to go to that. 
Yeah. Like you, you, you could do more research. Like right. it felt like before it was like a brochure, yeah. uh, a walk then, around campus. Yeah, was, and then you'd go and I'd go to a party. And yeah, yeah, right. a party and someone you knew that went there. <laughs> yeah. that, that's how you figured out what school. You know how I picked my first school? Which one I got accepted to that was farthest away from my parents? And I love my parents, but which one was – the first school I went to was two hours away. And my other options were an hour away and five minutes down the road. Like what, like Rutgers? Was Rutgers on your radar? You know, I didn't even look at Rutgers only because – I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I didn't think I wanted to go north. I wanted right. to go from where I was. I wanted to go south. But like I didn't look at big schools. I don't even th- – now that I think back about it, I don't even remember if I really wanted to go to college. I think right. I had to go to college. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and I picked a school that was like two hours away in Bumble F, Pennsylvania, middle of nowhere. Where would you go to school? Elizabethtown. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's like um, – it's probably like 15 minutes from Harrisburg. Okay. It's yeah. like It's like out there. Yeah. And all like I knew was like nowhere. Franklin and Marshall. That was in it's Amish ca- country. That's all I knew. This, this is this is like borderline Amish country. This is like around Amish country. It's not quite Amish country, right. but it's a little bit around it. Like they and, have electricity, but there's really good butter. Yeah, okay. yeah. And now the school's like much better. Like it wasn't bad when I went there, but it, like from where I came from, it felt like I went back. I felt like I went back in time. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of nowhere. And the school was just, it was smaller than my high school. It was just like wasn't for me. And so I transferred back home and I ended up going to Ryder. University, which is like five minutes down mm-hmm. the road from right. my house. And right. I was like, all right, so I'm going to move into a dorm. My parents are like, you're not living five minutes from the house. You're living at the house. <laughs> I'm not paying extra $20,000 so you can have a, an apartment five yeah. minutes away. Yeah, so like I joined a fraternity. Yeah. <laughs> Where it only costs go. 500 bucks. There you go. <laughs> I could live on campus. Nice. Yeah. So nice. But that's what, yeah, that's how me. So there's so many choices out there and so many ways to find out the information that you're looking for. That there's right. really yeah. Advantage. Now, the, now that you don't take advantage of that, now that, that bad's on right. you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now you're just a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember always seeing a big pile of pamphlets trying to decide. And when I was in high school, the biggest factor is like, what place has the best snowboarding? Because back then I was like, I want to try to go pro snowboarding. Right. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Right. But that's all That's all that was in my head. Uh-huh. Like, college? Awesome. Where can I ride? Like, yeah. But that kind of makes – but that's not a bad way to – I mean – I mean, it's not, it's, a, it's not a good way to pick a college, <laughs> but it's not a bad way of thinking. Like, at least you had that in your head. Like, I want to snowboard. Like, so you yeah. would just went to you went to college, and then you wanted to snowboard. Like, you really now would just go and snowboard. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. really, yeah. just just go and snowboard. But you have this like. But that's the thing; it was drilled into you. You have to go yeah. to college. So, like, okay, how can I kind of make it work for me? Right. I'm like, all right. But you had to go to college because everybody else yeah. went to college. Mm-hmm. Like, but see, now it's like, well, who cares if yeah. everybody yeah. else goes to college? You know what they ask you now is, is, and, and I hear this a lot and I think it's so true, is like uh, they'll go from asking you where do you go to school, mm-hmm. which to me even nowadays is trivial unless you went to like Harvard or right. Yale. You know? yeah. But it's like not where you went to school. It's what have you made lately? Mm-hmm. You know, And especially with younger people, if you say to them, okay, you took a year off, that's great. Well, unless you were just fucking off and, and drinking all the time and backpacking through Europe. Well, did you did you write about it? Did mm-hmm. you take pictures? Did you did you build anything in that time? Mm-hmm. You know? And and yeah, I mean, like I had my first interview, right, on a phone the other day mm-hmm. in like six months. Mm-hmm. Most because I haven't been trying. Yeah, right. Or trying. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I was trying to talk about what I've done since I got laid off. And it made me almost angry because I was sitting there going, why am I trying to justify this? Yeah, right. And then I'm sitting there going, 
let's see, uh, started something new and kept working on a, a company that I've had for the last 10 years and started teaching and doing all this stuff. That shit matters, mm-hmm. you know, because I could have literally just sat home and played fucking video games all right. day yeah. if I wanted to. And it's amazing, too, how and all of those things are things you started and they were super important to you and you you found accomplishment in all that. And it was all knocked down by one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like, what have you done? And the reason they're asking is because they want to give you a job that you could probably end up hating mm-hmm. within six months and find zero <laughs> reward in it as opposed to the stuff you found reward in, you know, that you rattled off for the last, you know, five minutes of the interview. And mm-hmm. it's really kind of depressing that that's what it's come to. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, you made these five things and they're important. And now all of a sudden they're not important because you're trying to get a job with uh, someone else. It's just, yeah. It's a ridiculous thing. No, and it is. I mean, so going back, and I know that the, you're the co-author for Assoology, right? The mm-hmm. series. Um, you know, I know one thing we talked about is now you talk about accessibility. Mm-hmm. So nowadays everyone can self-publish if they want yeah. or go mm-hmm. the traditional route to be retro, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what was that kind of like with you, the entire process, um, for just for people who are considering writing books? You know, how did you find that entire process that you guys did? Well, uh, mine was luck. Absolutely luck. Uh, like I said, I was writing for Ask Men and I was writing like articles with the dickish approach to things. And they found me. Mm. They had the two authors and they had handed in a manuscript that the publisher wasn't too crazy about. Mm-hmm. And uh, they found me and they wanted to ghost, me to ghostwrite it and fix it up. And uh, I ended up rewriting the entire book. And the publisher was like, all right, we can't not put your name right. on this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We wrote the whole thing. We're going to yeah. put your name on it. And then the second book came out and the other guys, they didn't want them involved. It just wasn't, and no slight to them, but it wasn't the book that they pitched. They right. pitched something completely different. They're, one one guy was an acting coach, another guy was an actor, and they pitched something about like, oh, it acting. Sounds, okay, so mm-hmm. it sounds like the pickup artist more than. <laughs> well, no, no, but they didn't know, but they didn't pitch an asshole book. They right. pitched a completely different book and they were like, no, we don't want that, but we have this title that we want written. Would you guys want to do it? And they were like, you know, who's going to say no to a book? Right. So they yeah. agreed and they wrote what they wanted to write, but it wasn't what the publisher was looking right. for. Right. It wasn't a good fit. So, yeah. So it was no, you know, no slight to them. It just wasn't what they wanted. So I got lucky with that. And then the second book, they're like, okay, we just want you to do it. But my advice then and my advice now are completely different mm-hmm. because I've been doing this for a little bit longer. And before I would go the traditional, I would tell people like they would email me. I'd be like, well, first you write this and then you, you know, you, you find a lit agent. And now I'm like, fuck it. Do it yourself. Put a book out, find a person who, for a couple bucks who will edit it, find someone who will give it a really awesome cover, Mm -hmm. um, put it up on Amazon and anywhere you can throw in a couple bucks for PR and just put it out there. Right. And it could do well. And then, the good thing is it could always become a book. A publisher could find it and want to put it out mm-hmm. by itself. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, get, get picked up and then all of a sudden be like a second running or right, yeah, whatever. Because if you write like like, like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, that started mm-hmm. off as an ebook that she put out by herself. Really? Oh wow, I didn't. I know did that. not know that. Yeah. yeah. Why hmm. do I know that? No, no. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like a, almost like a fan fiction thing. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure she like wrote it. I don't want to say she wrote it in response to Twilight, but she was like reading about, I could be wrong, but I know it started as an ebook and then became a book. Right. Or she did it like she self-published and then another publisher picked it up. Mm-hmm. So like, you never know what could happen, but you know, in these days, 
like if you write a book and it could be great, it might never see the light of day. Yeah. Because yeah. lit agents and publishers get a thousand to two thousand manuscripts a day by two thousand people who think they're writers. Yeah. But if you put it out there and a publisher sees, oh, this guy sold five thousand books on his own with zero PR and right, zero just all word of mouth, yeah. there's probably something good here. Let's yeah. let's check yeah. this out. So there's more just like with everything else, there's more avenues to kind of you know, explore. So I would say just get it, get a couple people to help you and just put it out there. Right. And if, if nothing comes of it, Hey, you finished a book, you wrote a book, it's online, it's available. Yeah. Kind of a similar approach about a band, like yeah. putting yeah. out their own album, distributing mm-hmm. it, pressing it, and then someone picking it up. I mean, you look at like fucking like Macklemore, yeah. someone who made, who made it like a, a huge shift mm-hmm. to say, fuck the establishment. It's not that great a relationship to begin with, but again, almost like college it's just the way things are done. Mm-hmm. And he said, all right, we're going to do it on our own. And dude fucking blew up. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? like, the goal of any musician right now would be to like, you know, get on iTunes, right. Or get their music out there. Mm-hmm. I could be on iTunes today. Yeah. yeah. You're on, you're going to be on, we're going to be on iTunes in, you know, a week or whatever. Yeah. Like this is going to go, <laughs> anybody could take their music and upload it right now. Yeah. Right. So it's like kind of a level playing field with it. And it's just about getting people to find it. Same thing with a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it out there, get it online. All you have to do is worry about people finding it. Of the accessibility course is there. You just yeah. have, now it's like, it's all on you. Right. Like, yeah. Are you going to be a lazy asshole or are you going to yeah. do some good work and yeah. put it out there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So tell me, you know, you, you talked about the things you did, you know, the, the, the gigs you had before you realized, you know what, I want to go in this different path and, and be more, do more writing mm-hmm. and be a bit more creative. So what would you say is like the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? Biggest risk? Hmm. Uh, I would say just going after it at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part of me that probably could have easily – not sent that email. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was uh, sitting, I was a, a trainer. And I, oh, I forgot to mention this. I was, I was a trainer and managed a gym. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Back in the day I had no neck. Like I was like, <laughs> I worked out a lot because when you're in a gym for eight hours, there's nothing to do. Right. So at the point, at that point I was like sitting at the desk and I was like reading the website and I, that's when I emailed them, but I could have easily not mm-hmm. emailed right. them that day. Right. So I would say the biggest risk was just, putting it out there and trying and like the first time I wrote would be the biggest risk. Now, I mean, there really is, there's certain risks to it. I mean, you know, as far as like going against what my quote unquote audience would like or anything, but Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's got to take those risks or it's kind of like, you can't write the same book 10 times over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't written, I've written five books and they're all very different. Well, except for the two astrologies, which are pretty much the same. Right. Uh, the, The rest are very different. Yeah. You have the, um, what is it? The, well, the new, new dad dictionary, new dad was, dictionary. The, was the last one that mm-hmm. was for new dads. Now mm-hmm. there's, it's not different as it, there's still humor to it, right? but it's not like, I'm not teaching someone how to be an asshole dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teaching them actually how to be a better dad right. <laughs> by knowing some of the terms that are going to come popping up their way. Right. Uh, so that, you know, um, the other book, um, I actually ghost wrote, uh, it was a clean joke book. Mm-hmm. That was probably the hardest. I was going to say that experience. probably was the hardest oh, thing I've ever God. done. You have no idea. It was eight at eighty thousand words of clean jokes. Uh, you, you it, can't. It's probably wow. You, you probably were like Bob Saget for ten years. There's <laughs> 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 some stuff like going. I can't say shit. This you, cunt. What the you, fuck? Yeah, you put a joke. You you could you put a joke in there, and they're like, no, it's offensive because of this. It's offensive because of this. Like, offensive. Offensive to leprechauns? There are no leprechauns. Like, what is going on? No, it's offensive to Irish people. I mean, really? I think an Irish guy would tell that joke. And you're yeah. like going back and forth on stuff. So that was like 
a nightmare. Offending an Irish guy, that's new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to be like, be careful of like all that stuff. So that was the that was the, the hard one. What are your thoughts on you brought up something that I've recently have gotten a taste of and I still don't quite know how to feel is like ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you sit there and say, Oh, it's a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like I'm sure you feel, you know, you're people always say, well, you're only as good as the last thing you've written or whatever. And right. then you go, well, how do you then tell someone, Oh, well, I wrote that. Mm, did you though? Right. You know, and it, it's, it, how do you then kind of use it to leverage other stuff you're working on? Well, I mean, it all depends. Like the, the ghostwriting of the, um, the joke book, like I, wouldn't really take credit, credit for, for those one. jokes. Those were jokes. Yeah. <laughs> but like I would, I would consider uh ghostwriting projects if it's like, um, you know, this famous person wants to tell their story, but they're not the greatest of writers, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Cause normally on that, they'll be like, you know, this person as told to, and the, right. the person's name or right. so you would still get from. some credit, so you get some credit. I mean. like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, N- Nikki six or whoever is writing the, it's his story but it's someone kind of like turning it into getting the narrative mm-hmm. out of it. I'm okay with that. Feels like it lends itself well to more like a technical or like biographical yeah. situation. Right. right. Like this person wouldn't tell their story unless someone helped them with yeah. it. Right. That stuff. But you mean, as far as like ghostwriting of like not putting your name on it, I mean, yeah. that's something you got to deal with before you even start with it. I mean, you got to, I mean, there's plenty of things that I've written that I don't have my name on and I'm, mm-hmm. um, okay with this the one the, the the thing that bothers me more um and it's only happened within the past five years or so uh when i got to move on not just writing but being an editor mm-hmm. where sometimes i would go through people's pieces that get sent in like freelance and stuff like that right and i would work on it and make it better and then that person would go on to get better gigs uh, because see, of stuff that mm-hmm. i changed and i'd be like that person can't put two sentences together <laughs> and they're getting like writing gigs and because i I help them out and other people help them out along, along the way. Right. So that, that bothers me more than the ghostwriting thing, hmm. the editing and like making a person's work better where right. and then they advance. And like you said, it's, it's, just, it's for most writers it's a natural progression is you go, okay, go from a reporter to an editor. Yeah, or but I don't want to be an, that's the problem. I don't want to be an editor, <laughs> but you have, like you said, it's a progression. You yeah. have to, because like, Oh, you've been doing this for a while. You need to, but I'm no better with like grammar and punctuation. I'm actually terrible at it, mm-hmm. but I'm just slightly better than the guy who's, <laughs> Not so good at it. Right. Just using run-on sentences <laughs> yeah. and fucking no commas whatsoever. And that's kind of, you know, we touched on like the way um, publishing works today, quote unquote, mm-hmm. publishing, like the internet. It's funny because everywhere I've worked, it's the most amazing thing where you'll work on a website and you'll have a bunch of editors, like five or six people, mm-hmm. talented people. They're great writers. They can look up story. You know, they're good researchers. They can tell a narrative. They could do all of these things. And then those people are paid to take freelance garbage work from other people and polish and writers and polish it and put it out there instead of paying, paying the people on staff to just go do the writing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, you know, like all the places I work, you, you have all these writers on staff and then you're paying people 50 bucks to do a top 10 list. Right. And it's like, what? <laughs> no, see the crappy freelance people should be doing the terrible daily blogging stuff. And we should be writing the, it's a flawed system. Here. Yeah, yeah, it is you a know, bit backwards now that you not, mention it. Yeah, it yeah. just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And but it that's the way it is everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I was what's your stance on listicles? I'm they're they're not as popular as they were, thank God, because they were every fucking <laughs> where. I feel but you know what? I this is this is how I feel. 
listicles are still there. You just don't realize it. Yes. Yeah, like true. you're reading something and it's a list, but yeah. it's just not like seven things. <laughs> yeah. like, that, that is like, like seven ways. You didn't know this was a list. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Oh shit. I fell for it. I didn't yeah. know this was a list. I mean, it's just a lot of that I think has to do with like the SEO of it or mm-hmm. like the, right. you know, like I'm, I read a lot about that stuff and it's, it's like the, the, the things that Google loves the most are like uh big headlines and like, uh, broken up paragraphs and quotes and things like that. Cause those come up more in Google searches. Yeah. So the listicle was just one thing that came up more and now it's and like, then, other, it, yeah. there'll be a shift. They'll still, I mean, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Lists I'm not gonna lie. I, I wrote one recently. It was the five reasons every business show podcast. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> you have to put it in that way. Right. Because yeah. the, the reason too, is there was a shift in people's like, you know, I, I don't think long form content's going anywhere, but at the mm-hmm. same time, you had to tell, like I've seen now, I think it's entrepreneur.com or Inc. Where now when you look on your phone or on the website, I actually like this, it tells you how long it would take you to read that article. Yeah, Medium does that too. Yeah. yeah so I thought that, that was really interesting because yeah. that's what people usually say. Oh, yeah. I don't want to fucking read 2,000 words. Yeah. But if it's, oh, here's five reasons. Oh, I can, I yeah. can read five reasons. Yeah, I can read five reasons. Let you know it's fucking 3,000 yeah. words of five reasons. But, but see, now here's how I would do it if I was editing your piece. I would mm-hmm. make the headline something like, Here's why your business will fail if you don't have a podcast. Right. Strike fear. And then it's like five reasons are in there. I won't say five reasons. Yeah. I'll just say that, you know, so you skip the part where you're going to tell the person that there's five things coming up. (laughs) And and then we get into that whole debate, you know, every day about the clickbaity stuff Mm -hmm. and the like, you know, the you're never going to believe this or watch what happens next (laughs) or that that stuff's slowly going away. Thank God. Because it's just trickier now. Right. We just, we found other ways to make it. Because you realize people aren't as dumb as, well, they're, people are pretty Some fucking are. dumb. Some <laughs> but, but you, you just find it every day. We find a new way to tug at people's emotions. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what most of blocking is. <laughs> <laughs> how can I get that dude to read this thing? And but ultimately, it's not even about reading it. It's how do I get this person to come to this web page so they can see the ad on the right hand side? <laughs> yeah, get paid yeah. for it. Yeah. So it's not even really the yeah. Thing. So you mentioned um, different changes, right? Mm-hmm. Different viewpoints. So. I mean, you mentioned even a dad, a, you know, the dad book you wrote, mm-hmm. but how is, is there any way like becoming a father has kind of changed the way you approach your career? Um, yes, it has. Um, I'm kind of like more aware of the things I say and do and write about. Mm-hmm. Um, is, it, is it for you? Is it like, because they're going to get old enough one day where they can look up all the shit you wrote? No, it's just, it's not even that it's, you know, the funny thing is I used to think that way, but every single place that I worked for has disappeared off the net. So most of my stuff is gone. It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Like I was putting together my own website and I was trying to find old articles and I'm like, well, that website's not around anymore. And that's not there anymore. And that URL changed and that. So half the stuff isn't there anymore. Wow. But, um, you know, I kind of like, uh, before you, you'd write about a lot of the websites that I wrote for, you would just regurgitate news stories. And the more salacious or the the crazier the story, the bigger it would do. And then after I became a dad, I realized, oh, there's actual people connected to this. Mm-hmm. This is someone's father, brother, sister, whatever. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, like you look at it and you go, was it just like a, a stupid hiccup mistake that they made? Do I really need to push this any farther? Like 500 blogs are going to write about it. Do I have to be 501? Right. Sometimes you do because you're told to, mm-hmm. but uh, I make more conscious decisions about what 
I'm writing about and who I'm writing about. Like mm-hmm. how long is how long is it going to take for this person to erase this mistake <laughs> right. off of the internet? And did right. they really mean it? Right. So I kind of and the problem with that that I found is that um you know, with everywhere, numbers are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And when you don't write about those things, you're right. You're, you're losing, you're losing viewers. Your views yeah. aren't as high as everybody else's because yeah. they'll write about, you know, and excuse my, my language, like <laughs> no, one, of the, one of the most popular things on our, uh, on the website that I work for is the teacher fucker stories. So all the kids, <laughs> I just saw another one. Wasn't there another one recently? Yeah, there's always two, one. Two English teachers, like two blondes. Yeah. Fuck the 16 year old kid. Yeah. So, and those do the best, but you're like, why Sounds like do a, I need Dude, the high to school I went to had two fucking teachers who got caught fucking students. Sounds yeah. like a movie, two blondes and a math problem. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly, and the kid was like 16 and like threesome with two English teachers. <laughs> one was married with two kids. Was so I up. tend to stay away from those stories just <laughs> right. because I'm like, you know what? I don't need to be the 800th person. So there you that, go. Like you said, yeah. you, you find yourself getting older and growing a conscience. And yeah, yeah. And not that I... Did I have a conscience before? <laughs> I just didn't care as much. You right. know, like with the internet, there was nothing attached to it. Mm-hmm. You were this anonymous thing. That right. Go. But now you're kind of like, oh, that's that's a person behind mm-hmm. that. And they have to deal with – because the internet has become such a mob mentality. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like the first couple of years, if you did something stupid and it went all over the net, it stayed there for a little while and then it went away. But now you do something stupid and you have 5,000 people on your Twitter feed telling you you're mm-hmm. a fucker and, you know, yeah. like <laughs> – and you're just like so much easier to find people that it's like I don't want to make people go find right other people. So yeah. You ever thought yeah. about um like like you said if okay if there's a story going on where this person did X right and mm-hmm. everyone's reporting about it okay well I obviously have to report about this person and but at the same time could I could it, would it be okay to say reach out to them and do a deeper piece like a long form I've piece to. on you know I mean on on the effects of that, I wanted to talk whatever. to the kids. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But the, the place where I write for it wouldn't work, right? <laughs> as well. Also, <laughs> you, you tend to people don't want to respond when you say certain places that you're writing for. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, I had thought about that. Like, oh, let's talk to the kids who slept with teachers. How great is their life now? Is it good? Is yeah. it? But did it mean anything? Yeah. You know, did, did it matter to them? Like, what? Yeah. What were the you know ramifications? That's for a deeper kind. That's like for a slate. Right. Yeah, <laughs> in Atlantic. Right, right. It's not for the stuff that I write for. So, you know, do you, because now, especially you say as a father, you know, do you long for like the steady paycheck, you know, or does the creative constraint sometimes usually just drive you more towards going back to that gig kind of stuff? Um, I, As I get older, I'm kind of getting tired of answering to people. Right. It's just this weird thing. Like I always had a problem answering to people, but now I really have a problem answering to people, especially because I'm starting to become older. Right. Like a little black people. type. Yeah. yeah. Like, and not that age is always a big right. thing, but when you're kind of like, no, that was stupid. Yeah. I don't think that's, it's, not, it's more that. experience, not age. I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So at, it, I would, if I could, if I could make the same amount of money, I would totally go, for just freelance gigs mm-hmm. being my yeah. own boss. Even right. if I didn't make the same amount of money, if I could just make enough that like I, we would struggle or anything like that, like, yeah, I would totally do it. Cause I just don't, I don't know. I'm tired of answering to people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a good segue. What, what would you say is your biggest fear creatively? My biggest fear creatively. Um, I think everyone has this fear that one day it's just going to go away. You're going to wake up one day and, um, it's not matter. Yeah. Not just that, but like you, whatever you do, you can't do that thing anymore mm, yeah, as good yeah. as you could. Yeah. 
you know, like I, I can't say funny things or I just stop being funny or I stop being able to write or mm-hmm. I stop. So that's a big fear or how I do it or how I go about it isn't as relevant anymore. Uh, that would be one fear. The other fear is like you, you can't survive doing what you do. So you have to go do something else. It's like mm-hmm. if, if the writing didn't work out, let's mm-hmm. say I tried the writing thing and then for five years I did okay, but then I had kids and I couldn't, and then I had to go back mm-hmm. to the other job. Like after a while, like I don't, I'm not qualified to do anything anymore. <laughs> like what am I qualified to, right. to really do? Like if I went out and got a, you know, a, a job at a company, I mean, unless I was maybe writing the copy for the website or something right. like that, but uh, most jobs I'm no longer I'm either over or under qualified for. Right. So there's that kind of fear of like, and the, and the only reason I have that fear is because I have a family. Mm-hmm. If it was yeah. just me, yeah. I wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. Cause you could, you could always downsize your life. Yeah. yeah. I want to do. downsize my life. Trust me. Like <laughs> I would be, if I didn't have any, if I didn't have kids, I'd be like, I don't need a house. Right. Car. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, like yeah. there's a lot of things that I could do without. Mm-hmm. I've thought, I've often thought about, um, the whole getting going a tiny off, home, going off the grid. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> way off the grid, like getting rid of a phone, getting rid of, I actually just read a story where, and it was a terrible situation because the guy left his like wife oh, shit. and family. <laughs> But what he did was he uh, he just one night was like, I'm going to store up right back never and never back. went back. But not only never went back, like shut off his phone, say, like basically prepared it so that she could not find him. Wow. Now, I would never do that to my wife. <laughs> right. But if I could do that with my family, like right. take my family, get them, you know, to live somewhere in a you know, in middle of Maine, right. we just have this fun experience of like just living a life. But then I'd be out there probably chopping wood and be like, I wonder what's going on on Twitter. <laughs> so I'd always get pulled back. But like, so part of me has that, like, you know, but I, I call it the vaca- vacation mentality, like all the time. Right. Like, you yeah. know, vac- yeah. perma vacationers, right? That yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like you just don't give a crap what's going on. You lose track of all things right. that, and then you get thrust back into it. Well, just never to get thrust back. <laughs> I remember into like it. in uh, what was it? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. Right. Where he's like, I don't even wear a watch anymore. Man. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that's so cool. He's like, plus my phone has a yeah. fucking time on it. Like, oh, it's not, yeah, exactly. not the same at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. So, you know, what would you say? We're going to go deep here. Okay. All right. I'm ready. So what would you say <laughs> is your most meaningful moment in your career? In my career? Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool to go into any bookstore and be able to pull your book off of a shelf. Yeah. That is pretty yeah. Cool. <laughs> if, unless they sell out and never get them again. <laughs> that part's kind of annoying. But to be able to, be able to go to a bookstore and, and find something you wrote, that's meaningful. Or when someone like shoots you an email saying like, Hey, I read your stuff. I really liked it. That those are two meaningful things. Mm-hmm. Just that one, one person just kind of yeah. like read it. It, yeah. it yeah. feels, it feels pretty good. And like I said, you resonated with someone enough that they reached out to you. Right. They, they actually sat down to their computer and felt that they should um, email me, especially a book, like stuff like that. I feel like tends to happen, you know, podcast, uh, you know, if you're a comedian or you do things, audio, Related. I feel like yeah. people would sit down and go, Hey, I listened to this. I did. It's like, like there's more effort book. to it. There's more yeah. of a personal thing that matters. Right. Kinda, yeah. Because I think also too, uh, with that, like normally when you're listening to that type of stuff, 
you're sitting by a computer or something like that. So if you're listening to a podcast yeah. that meant something to you, you already have your computer up and you grab the email and go, I have read that. But yeah. to like physically take a book and go, hmm, and then put it down <laughs> yeah. and then go over. I mean, unless you're reading on like an iPad or something, right. maybe. But like to go and just go, hmm, I'm going to yeah. go put this down and go write something yeah. right now. Like, yeah. Let's go research yeah. online. Find his website. Yeah. Find, find his email. Find me. Yeah, right. that that part, that when they put a little bit of, of effort into that, that that's always kind of cool. Yeah, that is true. Pretty sweet. So conversely, what would you say is the biggest regret of your career? On Obviously, I mean, we touched on it, not trying sooner. Mm-hmm. Not at least even trying. Like, it's not like if I, it's not like I came out of college, tried, failed, got right. a bunch of jobs and then went back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even try. Right. Yeah. If I just yeah. would have. You ever wonder about your, your past in radio, what that could have been like? You know, I probably eventually, <laughs> I eventually would have gotten out of the radio thing. Mm-hmm. But, um. I, I wouldn't have gotten out of the creative part of it. And that might've led to other things. It could have led right. to like voiceover or right. audio or something along those lines where I would have been a little bit more a creative and not just like sitting behind a desk. Right. It's actually pretty funny. Like, I don't know if it would have changed my life, life right. completely, yeah. but yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have had those like 10 years of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it brings up something funny. I had uh, Jess come on, like usually on Thursdays, we'll do like a real short episode. Mm-hmm. And I had Jess come on one time just to help out. And and she hates the way she sounds, just mm-hmm. in general, right? Mm-hmm. But when 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 the episode went up, I hear her listening to it upstairs, right? She mm-hmm. works upstairs, I work downstairs. And and I hear her and she's like kind of like laughing. And I'm like, like, I know it's funny, but really, because I don't like listening to them usually. Mm-hmm. And, and then I hear her yell down, my voice is fucking golden, right? <laughs> and I'm just dying. I was like, at least you're humble. And she's like, oh my God. So it's literally one of our past guests that she uh, ended up becoming pretty good friends with and now does some work for is an actor, right? Chris Sullivan. So mm-hmm. he's on the Nick mm-hmm. on Cinemax. And he actually just two days ago uh, or yesterday, I don't even fucking know when it was, two days ago, yesterday. Yeah, a few days. Got the call. He's going to be in the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So oh, wow. he, he went out to go be on that. And she even... He does a lot of voiceover work. So she actually wrote to him and said, so what do I do to get in this voiceover thing? I was dying. I was like, seriously? Oh. It's a big jump from not liking your voice to want to be doing voiceover. Yeah, exactly. You're not famous enough to do voiceovers. You have to be George Clooney or something yeah. to really do voiceover. Yeah. But yeah, you, you kind of like, and maybe not so much because she was a, didn't like her voice, but like there's just certain things that you're like, once you do them once and you're like, you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't so bad. Like, right. Maybe I should try yeah. and right. do that. You know, so- I mean, getting back to what we said before, that's the good thing is you can explore those things now. Mm-hmm. And there's there's an easier way to explore those things. Yeah, like you said, if you want to start a podcast, that's pretty much your own, you're broadcasting your own radio show in a sense. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. anyone can do it and no one can tell you not to do it. Right. And the, you need a whole the, crew of union workers to yeah. help it's, it's a little bit less of a fail, less of a risk. And it doesn't, right. well, it depends on what you're doing, but it, I feel like it doesn't hit you as hard mm-hmm. maybe as it would otherwise. But yeah. And if you do enough, someone's going to find you. No yeah, matter yeah. what you do, yeah. You know, yeah. if you post enough Instagram pictures or do enough podcasts or write enough stuff, eventually people are going to find you. Yeah. Make, yeah, it makes it easier to really find what you really love to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my regret was I wish I tried at twenty one and not thirty one ish. When still, I started, it's eventually still, I got to it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like I said, there's some people who at fifty are sitting there and yeah. baby boomers looking back going, what the fuck was I doing? You I know? don't, I, the, the better question, I think the better question is always like, you know, people always ask like, if you started doing this then at 21, like, would your life be completely different? Um, possibly maybe, 
But think about how different my life would be if I didn't. Like if I mm-hmm. stayed doing those terrible jobs, like what would I be doing now? Like where yeah, would I be yeah. miserable now? Right. What what shitty product do you be a salesman for? Yeah, like what <laughs> what terrible office would I be showing up to and making small talk with people and like where where would I be? Like that's even scarier. You know the only thing I regret not regret, but I I actually like wanted to be going to an office every day. Mm-hmm. It was just pranks. <laughs> like, like there's i can't do any funny april fool's pranks in my own fucking house you know like you can't like i always want to do that air horn under the seat thing you know and how about the mailman so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like not the same yeah. then you're just some schmuck yeah good. you're just you're then just he doing. falls he sues you and it's not i miss the i mean i kind of do miss the like talking to people sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the interaction i wish i could just go to someone else's office for like a half hour and be like all right i'm good i'll see you guys later honestly i think Talk nowadays you could you could if you, you could like, rent out a space no like look, look how you dress right <laughs> mm-hmm. you could probably walk into any tech mm-hmm. right office on here right. with a macbook under your arm <laughs> yeah. and sit down with a coffee and no yeah. one would notice you yeah. for at least an hour someone would come <laughs> someone would come up and ask you to fix their computer though you'd <laughs> yeah be you'd be like uh i don't i don't know it's kind of like the seinfeld when kramer used to go to that job and he just had uh, he just had the briefcase. Yep, yep. And he used to go every day with the briefcase. He just used to show up to work. And Jerry's like, "What's in the briefcase? A crackers <laughs> filled with crackers." So if you just walk into a job, like you should be there, you probably could trick. Well, you, you know, and that's just the way like the the changing media landscape. Mm-hmm. It's it like, and you and I worked at a job where it was like this, and my past job was like this too. Like from week to week, there was so many different people coming and going. Like you would really sit there and go. Does that dude work here? Like, what, who is he? And is he wearing sweatpants? Why? Oh, wow. He he's from? he's like one of the CEO. Oh, yeah, yeah. shit. Oh, and that's the worst. And like, well, you're right. You're, you're like, my first day at my uh, old job, I rode up in the elevator with the CEO who looked like he just got off of a boat. Like, you know, just like, he's like, hey, you come to work for us? Yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was like, oh, yeah, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a CEO. I'm like, oh, shit. shit. <laughs> I mean, I you know, we had a good interaction, but it's right. like, oh. Damn, I, I would have handled would've... that a lot differently yeah, had I. I was about to ask you to get my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he would have. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He was a cool guy. He probably would have. <laughs> so uh we always kind of we're got the last question here. Okay. And and you know, we always say, if you couldn't share your work with anyone, would you still create things? If I could share my work with anyone? If you couldn't not. Oh, if I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I would have to say yes, because I do keep written journals that mm-hmm. no one ever sees mm-hmm. that are just for me. And the things I write inside sometimes jump off and become other stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'd be miserable if I didn't somehow get everything out. So yeah, I would definitely keep doing it. Yeah. I, I think with writing too, it, it's, it is literally probably like a journaling. You know, mm-hmm. Journaling, no matter who you are, it comes to you at some point in your life whether you're you know young and your hormones are making everything fucking crazy and you just write stuff down mm-hmm. but when we ask it like photographers or other people who deal with and it's not put on writers but like more like actual finished products that require other people to look at it mm-hmm. you know it is kind of a, a tough question for them well I think uh yeah it all depends on the field because with with writing to like to me it feels like my writing is never done mm-hmm. when you take a picture that's the picture right. that's it and if, if you're if you have the subject and you take twenty pictures of one subject, yeah, you have twenty different variations to choose from. But like, if I write a short story, like I feel like oh, it's never 
that's no change that code. Like, like I could, there's stuff that I've written 10 years ago that I wouldn't want to read, but I would go back and change stuff. There's stuff that I've written today that I would go back and go, why the hell did I say that? Yeah. Like, you just yeah. change the word. But with other creative stuff, it's just, it's there and that's what it was. And that's what happened right. at the and moment. And going. that's it. Right. But with the writing thing, it makes it really hard. But yeah. the, the creative thing that, that no one sees, I actually, um, I read a story online not too long ago about this guy who passed away. He was like in his eighties and his family was clearing out all the stuff in like his office or whatever. And they came across journals that they oh, had wow. no idea he kept. Mm. He wrote in a journal every day of his life Wow, from like 21 years old to like 80 something years old. Wow. And every day was chronicled. And like, Holy shit. they were like, they, I, they talked to his son and he was like, I could go back at any point in his life and my life and read. So like they would go to like, you know, if the kid remembered he was uh, 22 years old and like smashed up the car, he would go to that day and be like, oh, so-and-so smashed up the car again. And like (laughs) read what his dad wrote about that thing. his dad saw that day. Yeah, or whatever his dad was going through, everything Mm -hmm. like that. And he was like, it's the craziest thing. Now that's a ton of journals (laughs) (laughs) in that long. (laughs) And it, it just, but it's just one of the things where it's like no one ever saw it. Right. I don't even, I guess he figured eventually someone would find it because he was going to die and, you know, right. he, hey, keep my journals. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. death wish. But, um, you know, so that guy wrote every day for it's very, It's a very subjective question. I mean, I, when you answer it, I guess you have to think of the intent too. Mm-hmm. For like a journal, mm-hmm. of course you would keep writing it. But if your intent is storytelling, mm-hmm. like you're a writer, like, right. I mean, it's for people to read. It's for that association, right. that connection. I don't know. I, I always think about this when you ask people that and it always kind of yeah. fries my brain a little bit every well, time. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Sure. Now, here we go. It's it's along the lines of the one you just asked me. And you just said this is you interviewing us. This so. is me interviewing <laughs> you right now. Technically gonna, you're, you're good. I'm going to flip I'm going to flip the script <laughs> on you. Um if you were working on whatever you were working on creatively mm-hmm. and knew no one would ever see it, would it change the way you do it? Mm. Jose. Mm. You can go first. I think, like you said, it you might might take more risk in mm. a sense of um, you don't because I find myself doing that when I'm writing something and then I go, oh, I take into account my audience. I might then make some changes, or I might go read it through again and say, okay, what's a way I can rewrite this to to really speak to that person? Um, whereas if it, if I knew no one was ever going to see it. It might be home or free form. Mm-hmm. You know, like one thing I haven't done in years and I want to do again is just that free form writing. Like mm-hmm. just open a book and just write. And whether it's, you know, shit, piss, cock, it's like, okay, so you're getting it in and then you're actually, okay, then you'll actually get to something. But I feel like you're still self editing yourself, even in that form. You don't realize it, yeah. but you are. Yeah. But if like I were to put you in a room and say, write for the next 15 minutes. And then when you're done, I'm going to come in here and put a torch to that fucking book. Huh? Would you write differently? What would you write? Well, I mean, I think <laughs> here's, no. here's the problem. It's probably going to be the best thing you've ever written. And then I'm going to fucking torch it. <laughs> so, well, then you think it's also kind of the same question. He's asked you, well, would you want to know the day you're going to die? Mm-hmm. Would that change the way you live your life? Mm-hmm. If you knew if it was next week or in 40 years, mm-hmm. yeah. would that change the way you're going to do things? I think it's kind of the same. No, I mean, no one really knows until I guess it happens. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I want to say no, I wouldn't change it, but we all kind of know that's bullshit, right? You know, there's always that outside force that's influencing it in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I like to feel that all my work is 
coming from me first and the viewer second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's really tough. Mm-hmm. I think even I, if I you, think I would a little bit. You know, I, it would be more for me and something that I know I could look back on, knowing no one else's. I don't know. That's fucking tough. I think if anything, <laughs> if if anything, the one thing you would get out of it is you would realize how much you edit yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you become really aware of like, okay, am I, do I really say that? Or am I saying that just to get a reaction? Am I, do I really believe that? Or am I saying that just because that's what people want to hear? Am I saying that to yeah. be funny? Or am I saying that to be, so you would pay be, much more attention to it than you would. Big on self-reflection at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at least maybe by that you would go, oh, I'm absolutely bullshitting right now. I should stop. And then maybe you will end up getting to the true. Right. And what then, then you write your memoirs. That's a good yeah. project to do. Yeah, challenge ourselves a little bit. You know, I, I, I agree. I think that'd be interesting. You, you, you ever read um, Austin Kleon stuff? Mm-mm. He's got one like uh, "Steal Like an Artist." Okay, and then there's I another one. <laughs> uh, show, show your work mm-hmm. was a follow up, mm-hmm. and I read that one recently, and that was interesting because I've noticed, like you said, you, people as we self edit all the time, and then don't in a sense, uh, put stuff out there because we're, again, the fear and all that kind of stuff. He's mm-hmm. like, with him, he's like, as I got over it, was share one thing every day. Whether it's an email or a post on Facebook or a post of your work. And it's mm-hmm. not going to be great. It's something polished, but put it out there. Mm-hmm. And then you may be surprised who will actually check it out or whatever. Right. So it was interesting for me when I read it to, mm-hmm. to kind of say, okay, I don't do enough of that. You know, mm-hmm. For instance, people go, oh, well, where's some more behind-the-scenes photos? I'm like, do you really want to see this? Oh, shit, maybe you do. Mm-hmm. You know, but in my head, I'm like, this isn't what I think it sh- should be or is going to be. Right. So in my head, I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah. But it's dumb to put that kind of, I'm projecting onto it when I shouldn't be doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll definitely say check out his stuff. Mm-hmm. So speaking of checking out stuff, um, <laughs> where can people check out your stuff and more about what you do? Uh, the easiest would be chrisluminati.com. That's got everything. I'm going to spell it because people are terrible. C-H-R-I-S, <laughs> as in Chris. <laughs> and then Illuminati, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-T-I.com. And that basically links out to me. And like you said, everything. That is, yes, that or, is your real last yeah, name. Or Google me. <laughs> Some shit will pop up. <laughs> some weird shit will pop up, but some shit will pop up. Yeah. All right. Yeah, some weird stuff. So last but not least, who's someone that you'd like to hear us talk to? And since let's be real, this is part two in part one. <laughs> I was going to say, who did I say in part one? Because maybe er- this will be the person. Eric Smith, the Philly Geek Awards. Yeah, go author. for him. Okay. Eric's a good dude. Actually, I just got an email from him today. Oh, no shit. But yeah, he does um, the Philly Geek Awards. You know, everyone in Philly knows what, what that is. Yeah. Um, but he runs a whole bunch of his stuff. He's actually... Uh, Within a couple months, um, he's now a lit agent. Wow. He's still a writer, but he's mm. also now a lit agent. He's yeah. working for Quirk Books and then became a lit I'm, I'm like, I know it's like the whole bio. <laughs> but uh, he's a good dude to talk to, especially because, you know, from the creative standpoint, he's worked on all different, you know, he he's a writer. Mm-hmm. He's looking for writers. And then he tries to match writers with publishers. He's giving so, a listicle now. Yeah, yeah. We, I'm going to give you three reasons. Yes. I'm going to give you three reasons to interview Eric Smith. One. <laughs> so, uh, three reasons your podcast will fail if you don't interview Eric. Smith. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, get Eric on here. He's he's pretty good. All right, cool. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, listen, thank you again for taking the time Thanks, out. Yeah, I appreciate thank you. it, guys. Thanks for having uh, round two. I I, I realized two. I realized today I don't get to talk into microphones as much as I'd like. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, give me a chance to talk into a microphone. Pretty soon, well, I think we'll we'll be seeing Crystal Money. Own podcast. Pretty soon, I'm going to take that microphone out of my bag, wherever it is, <laughs> and start using it. 
I'm going to be like, huh, I like the sound of my voice. I wonder if I could be in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again. All Take right, care. Man, thanks. Bye.